0: you <laughs>
1: To episode 49 folks um my guest this week is uh, my favorite musical discovery of last year Steve dyser uh, her album dream house is a legit amalgamation of early porter's heads um incredible dream pop and spirit of eden era talk talk i mean come on what's not to love about that uh, she's also my first uh, international guest um so yeah it was a real thrill and a privilege to uh, have a chat with one of my New favorite artists, so uh, yeah, let's do this, folks. So uh, please enjoy my Ace Chat with Soup Dancer, and as ever, I'll be back on the flip side in a bit. Top five side one, side one,
0: side track one.
1: You're listening to the Track One Side One podcast with me, your host, Gaz Jones. Each week, a guest picks their five favourite album opening tracks, and we dissect, discuss, and debate each one. The so let's put on our classics and have a little chat, then, shall we? And we are live, people. Um, joining me, and um, it gives me great pleasure to say this: um, we have my first ever international guest. We have Siv Daisa. Good afternoon. Good evening. How are you?
0: I'm doing well. How are you?
1: I'm all right. I'm all right. It's um, it's, it's going to be interesting to see how, because obviously this is my first international kind of um guest on the show. Um, it'd be interesting to see uh, like working my way around time delays.
0: Yeah. You know,
1: so. <laughs> I should I should do my very best not to get excited and jump all over the amazing things you're about to say. So. <laughs> I'll try anyway um I mean before 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 we get started um um I just want to ask you a quick question I mean what what was what was the first album you ever bought with your own money and can you remember where it was
0: uh that's a great question and I absolutely can excellent um Britney Spears oh god which one was it I, I remember it had butterflies on the front of it, um, the the actual CD, the disc, because I lost the cover like immediately. Um, but I remember I was in, I think, fifth grade and we went to the local mall and I had decided that I liked music, I think, and that I wanted something that I chose in the CDs in the car. So it was that, that Britney Spears album that uh, I still think is quite good, I don't know. Um, I should remember the name. I, can I look it up? Is that okay?
1: Yeah, not a problem. Look away, look away. That's a, the that's a cool thing about the internet. We can actually find information out immediately.
0: <laughs> I, I worry that it's doing bad things to my memory, though, because I don't have to remember the things that I used to know. I just have to remember how to find them. And that's yeah. not quite as good.
1: <laughs> no, no, yeah. my, I, I swear my memory was a lot better pre-internet. Now I just seem to remember, I, I don't know, I can, I can still remember the stuff I did like 20 years ago, but I struggle to remember what I did this afternoon. Or maybe that's an age thing.
0: <laughs> I, I think that the sense of time that you have as you get older changes how important every memory is. And I think I find myself caring less and less about committing something to long-term memory now, which maybe isn't good because I'm probably smarter now than I was 10 years ago. Same. But- hmm. I don't know that's that's uh, I don't know I'm not, I'm not sure if that's actually true the Britney Spears album was called Britney which is why I did not remember it
1: <laughs> oh, okay yeah yeah Yeah. It had, it had a really long complicated title right
0: <laughs> that's right exactly it's, I didn't didn't hold that one on my memory so I guess my memory is not you know any better than it ever has been yeah
1: <laughs> all right let's um let's go on to um your first pick uh what's it to be
0: I think we're going to have to do every single night from Fiona Apple's uh, second to last album, The Idler Wheel, which is, as she always has, or often has quite long album titles. It's a condensed sort of nickname for the album. But that first track is really, really just sort of like crystalline and beautiful and um, one of my favourites. So, yeah. The the floor is yours. (laughs) Expand the way.
1: Expand the yeah. way. Where did you where did you first come across Fiona Apple?
0: I had to have been in middle school, I think. I really liked her. I, I um took classical piano as a kid. And so finding musicians that were in both the songwriting world with a classical music or piano not as cool as guitar background to me as like a little girl was important, I guess. Um, And with Fiona, I found not only a piano based songwriter that I admired, but someone whose lyrics really kind of got me in a way that nothing had before. And I, I think that kind of early love for feeling represented in, in emotionally in some way, you know, kind of, you can't lose that when you have that, when you're an adolescent, it just doesn't leave your body. So you have that connection forever, and uh, do you do you have a band that's like that for you?
1: Oh wow, I think I've got about thirty.
0: <laughs> that's <kind of> <laughs> your brain when I said that, though.
1: Yeah, I mean, I mean, it's it's it, it's interesting what you say there. It's like well, when you're an adolescence, um, the way kind of music hits you, and because you kind of soak everything up like a sponge. Yeah. Um, but there are those those kind of certain artists that you know really kind of speak to you and you connect with on this insanely kind of deep emotional, emotional level. I mean, I, mean, I, I don't know I mean, I, if I had to pick one, I mean, I, it's, it's a horrible cliche to say, but I was kind of 14 when I first heard smells up teen spirit, you know?
0: That's, I mean, that's, I think for a whole generation, yeah. of like music lovers, it's that because
1: yeah, cause yeah yeah there was this there was this amazing like late night tv show um in the uk in the early 90s it was called the word it was very kind of anarchic outrageous people being outrageous for kind of outrageous sake do you know what i mean it was just um the sort of tv show that would never get made out in a million years but it was kind of my my musical education um like my Um, My dad always refused to have a satellite dish on the side of the house, so I had no access to MTV, you know. Um, So, but the words, whoever booked the bands for that show, it was the amount of bands I got into through that show, be it, uh, you know, Nirvana, um, Oasis, uh, Rage Against the Machine, Sepultura. um, And I... (laughs) I, I connect it, I'm especially i mean, a Gas machine is another kind of perfect example of something that kind of spoke to me it it, tap- in a way that yeah you know it, it taps into this thing which you can't quite kind of quantify or explain
0: yeah. you
1: know when when you're when you're an adolescent but you know i, I feel very fortunate to <clears throat> excuse me kind of be the age that I was back then and being exposed to all this kind of stuff mm-hmm. Um, a
0: good period of music, I feel like, for mm-hmm. a, a genuine expression of—I don't know—all of the turbulent emotions that yeah. you just feel like naturally, hormone-wise and yeah. life-wise. So you, you got You got a good decade there. You know.
1: Yeah, I certainly did. Thanks. It, it, <clears throat> excuse me. It's nice to hear someone else say that to me because I usually bore the pants off everyone about. It. Let's talk about the nineties again. They were great. <laughs>
0: well, you know, I mean Fiona. You know, she she came to be known in the nineties. So I I, I yeah, for sure. You know, maybe that was a little bit, but before my time, I definitely went back to that. You know, when I was like mm. teenager.
1: I mean, didn't her last album? did she get the Grammy?
0: Yeah, yeah, finally.
1: Last time. Yeah, yeah. Was, um, yeah. I think uh, like part of her acceptance speech kind of went viral. I think if I remember right.
0: Uh, did it? I. She, yeah. I mean, younger, like her first sort of like VMA. I want to say, um, she got for 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 criminal. She had the whole like this world is bullshit speech of like you shouldn't listen. To- but that oh, was.
1: Oh, is that what it was from? Was I, I could
0: have. I, I thought.
1: Yeah, I thought that was from a Grammy speech. Sorry, right? No, speech. Sure. Yeah, yeah. Right.
0: We we could just talk about Peer to Apple for for an hour if you wanted, but I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> to say.
1: Oh, amazing. Um, I mean, you, I mean, you touched on something um, just now, which I I sort of wanted to go into a bit more. I mean, like. Um, i will be interested to know about this, the time period when you were you were teaching young children how to play piano by day, yeah. and uh, by night you were you were playing sad songs in bars. I mean, yeah. f- 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 firstly, um, what sad songs were you playing, and what was the bar like?
0: I'm well, this this would have started in Boston, so I started going by Steve Dysa, which is Dysa is my middle name because I didn't want online to have a link between my professional name, Steve Anderson, and my sad songs about drinking too much and, like, making bad decisions with my, you know, entire life, really. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) Exactly. So, you know, it was kind of a divide. Uh, That would have been in Boston. There was quite a bit of turbulence after finishing my undergrad sort of time I started teaching immediately and I was like, I was 20 because I did an early college thing. So I I graduated early and then kind of no one knew how old I was. So I got hired as if I was a a real adult, but I felt very much like I was just a, you know, like two children in a trench coat. (laughs) And uh, I was trying to be a good role model to people that I wanted to think, I don't know was I they, I wanted think people to think that I was more together than I actually was. And I was kind of like taking that out, I think, on or venting that out by playing in in dive bars because that was what was available as I didn't have any connections or know anything about the music business. So just started, you know, I started somewhere. The Lizard Lounge in Cambridge Mass had a great open mic. I hope they still do. And from there, I met some people, and they told me about other cool places to play and house shows and that sort of thing. And the songs that I were I was playing were mostly my own, um, and and they tend to be on on the uh, you know if you've heard my album on on the sadder side of life. <laughs> but, you know, it's it's what I have to say, I guess. <laughs> when I'm happy, I don't write music, so you know. Same. Yeah. <laughs>
1: uh, track, track number 2 Let's see where we're going. What's two. it to be?
0: What are we going for? I think it's got to be the four tops. Uh, reach Out. Oh, yeah. I think yes. of, when I think of best kind of openers, I think of Motown quite a bit because the way that those albums were structured was the hit right away and then like second potential hit right after that. Get you into the record immediately, and reach out is such a beautiful song that I I don't know it's timeless and I love it.
1: I mean Motown, that especially that period of Motown, um, I, I I'm a I'm a sucker for joyous pop music and those kind of singles from that era. Like, reach out, like, dancing in the streets, um, get ready by the Temptations. And it's just, it, it, <laughs> they're, they're absolutely time. You know, these songs are getting on to, you know, best part of 60 year old now, and mm-hmm. they all sound absolute box fresh as a daisy. Oh, yeah. And they're kind of, everyone knows these songs. You could play any of these songs in any kind of nightclub wherever you were DJing you could drop reach out I'll be there and the crowd would just lose their minds and see like 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 for me there was um a lot, like I, I first became aware of the four tops in I think it was about 1988 there was there was this film um I mean this kind of dates it from the time because the, the lead actor in the film was Phil Collins okay (laughs) (laughs) the phil Collins, yeah um and it it was all about um a dramatization of um this crime in the 60s called the great train robbery where you know this bunch of criminals kind of you know stole millions of pounds um uh, off one of the night trains um not too far away actually from where i live right now as it turns out um but on the soundtrack there was a lot of kind of 60s songs and um but there was a four top song like written specifically for the film. and like when i when I was like nine or ten when this film came out, and these songs were everywhere. um it was a song called loco and Acapulco. and like when I was like nine years old, that was like my all time favorite song. i thought I thought there were new bands until right. I saw them on like um like but ba- ba- back in the day in this country, like every Thursday night there would be like the there'd be a TV show called Top of the Pops. Yeah.
0: Yeah. I've heard
1: of it. Yeah. Which, you know, it was kind of like, you know, a rundown. It would have people in the studio miming along to big hits, you know? And uh, I, cause I, I only ever knew this song from hearing it on the radio, this by this band called the four tops. And then I was seeing them on this TV show doing this hit. And, and you know, it was, it was like, Oh, the four old men. All right. <laughs> <I had> no <laughs> idea. Uh, um, but it kind of it was that song that started my absolute undying love of of
0: motown you i I think that that's really funny because I similarly got into Motown when I was a kid. Um, it was one of the it was i think like a, a supremes like anthology collection that my, my parents had the CDs of and i obviously went through all of their music and decided what was listenable and what was garbage. And I exactly. had like a stack of 10 and, and some of a lot of it was the Supremes and yes. I don't know, just that, that sort of the sound quality, the songwriting, the like lushness of the vocals. Um, I don't think that it's, I, I don't know. I, I what you said is like fresh as it is like out still, Super listenable and yeah. as if it was modern, timeless, yeah. truly timeless music. Um, it's absolutely
1: yeah. timeless. And, and yeah, like you say about the Supremes, like the harmonies. Yeah. Just unreal. Just absolutely unreal. And I love the fact that, like Motown music, it, it's going to be one of those kind of genres um, that will forever be rediscovered, I think, by following.
0: It should, it's really, yeah. I don't, I don't think that it's, you know, there isn't a, a, a predecessor to that sort of like, I don't know. It doesn't matter how old you are. It doesn't matter your background. It's like, if you, if you hear it, you want to laugh and like sing along, you know? Yeah, always. It doesn't go away.
1: Um, and I think Motown more than any other kind of genre makes me instant mood lifter.
0: Exactly. Do you know I, what? Yeah, exactly. It's my happy yeah. It's happy music. I can't. Yeah, like, yeah, completely. It's like, happy kind of pop. But I can listen to Motown and always, like, it's never cheesy. It is cheesy, yeah. but it's not really cheesy.
1: I don't think it's cheesy. I think even with the bits where you could probably go, oh, that's a bit cheesy, it's just, I don't think it is because it's real it just sounds it's it's just real to me i think that's what it is and i i I could listen to people like you know marvin Gaye and i mean insert artists here you know like reciting the phone book and i'd be captivated
0: yeah Uh, i mean both the the vocalists the players like the the in-house bands that they just you know that were part of the sound Mm. and the equipment, the way that they recorded everything is still something that we owe when we're recording because that analog, like true warmth, yeah, you don't can't, can't get that.
1: Can't get no. that. No, no. <laughs> I mean, I, I, I'm pretty sure Carol King was one of the in house writers at Motown in the 60s. I, I believe it, yeah, yeah. Like, obviously, before she became like obviously, she's huge selling solo artist in the 70s. I'm pretty sure that, yeah, she she kind of co wrote. Um, like an, you know, most of the big kind of Motown bangers that we all know, you know, Caro King was was part of that in-house kind of rising team, and, and the songs they churned out, it was, yeah, absolutely outrageous. I mean, if. If you've never listened to, to Motown, I mean, you know, anyone out there that's listening to this, if you haven't listened to Motown, why are you listening to a music podcast? Go away. I have no interest in you. We're not going to be friends. All right. <laughs> um, I mean, wh- when, was, um, when was the moment when you realized you actually wanted to kind of, you know, follow your own path and make your own music and do this as a kind of, as a thing? Mm. can you kind of sort of pinpoint that sort of time or or was there like, was there a particular moment when you were like, yeah, this is what I want to do.
0: I think that there were kind of two periods of figuring out the directions that I was going. Mm. The first was quite early, I think by, so I, I, left home when I was 15 and to do that, I had to kind of decide what I wanted to get into in the school that I went to. Yeah. Um, and I, even at that point, I, I, it was music. So my, my application, I had songs that I'd written and I submitted those as these are my, this is what I'm doing. I don't know what kind of music I want to get into. I don't know what this really means for my future, but it's music. And then I spent, I don't know, seven years, like not really letting anyone hear my music at all. And recording phone memos to myself of songs to remember them, forgetting them, losing notebooks full of, I don't know, I don't know how many songs I wrote that i for, like forgotten and lost um, from that period. And then when I was about 22, I got out of a uh, rocky relationship that had kind of kept me from my creative life and kind of inhibited being able to reach out, <laughs> to to make, <laughs> to make friends and in. in in the creative world that I wanted to be in and so a part of leaving that relationship was a decision of you know sink or swim are you gonna is this you gonna be your life or are you gonna actually pursue what you want to pursue and not hold yourself back and so I decided to go with me and from then it was you know you went through this annoying kind of difficult terrible period of getting out of this situation and if you don't pursue it now, then why did you even do that? So then I felt like I owed it to myself to actually do what I wanted to do and not just kind of be in standby indefinitely.
1: Wow. <laughs> that's some that's some pretty fucking inspiring stuff right there. Wow. <laughs> Thanks.
0: <laughs> I think I got that, that long to live. And I, I always think of life now as kind of experience to experience, Um, not in a way that means that I don't care about like the law, the, the, the big picture, but just in terms of don't wait to be the person that you want to be, or don't wait to experience the things that you want, because if you're not experiencing them now, what are you experiencing? What is your actual feeling, you know, while you're alive? So.
1: (laughs) Track number three, Sue. Where are we going?
0: I think we're gonna go with uh, Stone Milk.er, which is from Volnacura uh, by Bjork. And uh, Bjork is someone that I got into much more ever after having decided to move to Iceland, which I did pretty recently. Oh. Bjork actually went to my gym, so she, you know she was around. Wow!
1: Okay, <laughs> well, at the same time.
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah, I saw her sometimes. Yeah. She had this like kind of yeah. big don't know like pod coat that she would come in because iceland is very cold as 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 yeah. you if <laughs> <laughs> the
1: clues the clues in the name <laughs>
0: clues in the, yeah clues it's right there you know
1: yeah. <laughs> um i mean wh- when did you kind of first come across bjork
0: bjork when i was in college i think i got I got more into discovering music from the artists that I'd already decided I liked. So from Fiona Apple, a, the, the obvious, you know, kind of next steps would be like Tori Amos, PJ Harvey, York as well. And I got into her sort of earlier stuff like post, which is a beautiful album. Yeah. That's the my Shook- favorite. Yeah. It's, it, that That is a beautiful album. Um, but in when I was living in Iceland, I got into her more recent stuff because I was there for a, a master's degree in composition. And so I was really getting into inspiration and thinking about arrangements from a very granular sort of perspective. So Bjork was someone that obviously... Her her writing style is so fascinating, and and her collaborations have been so inspiring. Um, I, I actually saw her live when I was living there. With, wow! She had this this series at Harpa, which is the Iceland sort of music hall in Reykjavik, and she had a, a series of really really beautiful concerts um, with with local you know I- Icelandic world class musicians um, that I was lucky enough to see, but yeah
1: wow i mean I, I first um again showing my age but i i first got into I, again going back to um the word the tv show i was talking about earlier the first time i became aware of bjork was when she was still in the sugar cubes yeah it's um not,
0: and the, i don't i don't i don't think people listen to them enough anymore but it's like i think you should come back around to it after listening to like 2023 bjork you know mm, mm. good it's good
1: Oh, it's amazing. I mean, they 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 had a a a few kind of like bona fide hits in this country. Mm. Um, one one of them being called "Hit." <laughs> I think yeah. that was the song that I saw them doing doing on the words, and um, this wasn't supposed to happen. <laughs> yeah. Um. Yeah. Just oh, and she she was she was kind of like tabloid front page news in this country for a while in the mid nineties. It was kind of surreal. Um, cause she, she was going out with, um, um, what was his name? Gold, do you remember Goldie, the drum and bass DJ. I,
0: I'm not, I don't think I'm familiar.
1: No, fair. Um, um, they were kind of like, like, you know, tabloid fodder front page news. I think she, she had like a big kind of meltdown uh, at an airport and stuff like this. And, uh, but I don't give, I don't give a crap about all of that. She's just kind of, she's one of those kind of rare artists. She's an absolute kind of artist and is so fucking punk rock because she always does what she wants.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Fuck the
1: rest of them, you know? And it's, it's
0: it's, so, so, she does done so many different things, you know? Yeah.
1: Yeah. It's almost like a chameleon, you know? Yeah. I've never, never seen her live. I'd love to.
0: Oh, she's great. She, she yeah, does phone it in. You know, no,
1: no, I, 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 I bet. I mean, I've, I've, I've seen stuff on the TV and stuff like when she's played Glastonbury and you know, yeah. old like live concerts on YouTube and stuff. But, I mean, I mean, how, how recent was it when you saw her in Iceland? Last year. Oh, okay, okay, right. That's pretty recent.
0: Yeah.
1: <laughs> I mean, did, did she? Does <laughs> did, did she play like any of the early stuff anymore? I'd love to hear Army of Me, but and Big Time sensu- Sensuality, yeah. you know, Play Dead and stuff like that. But you know, I can understand because she, she's one of those artists that will always kind of keep moving. She 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 would she, never be what I'd call like a, a nostalgia artist that would go out and do a great sits tour. She's not that sort, of, not that sort of person, you know. And that's cool, man. But. Yeah, I'd I'd love to go because I I suppose it's more because I, I was kind of like so into Bjork in the kind of like mid, mid to late nineties. Mm. Um, I remember when debut came out and it was like it was a huge kind of deal. It was a ma- it was a massive album in this country and um, but I I haven't kind of sort of listened to much of what she's done over the last kind of ten years, which is a bit shameful of me, really. So you know. What what I'd love you to do for me, if if you could sort of find the time is to make me like a playlist of I certainly you know, could. <laughs> that'd be that that would be incredible because yeah, I kind of look through the back catalogue and I'm like, damn, there's about there's about ten albums that I haven't heard. <laughs> I <think laughs> Much to my shame.
0: Do you do you find that you consume music as albums? Or do you will you like hone in on a song and then just hear that on repeat? Like how do you consume music? <laughs>
1: I, are you interviewing me now? I like this.
0: I'm
1: sorry. <laughs> no, no, this is great. This is great. This is great. I love it. I love it. I love it. I I love it. I'm curious. I don't know. I'm just yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Um, I mean, I, I try so hard to listen to an album from start to finish. Mm-hmm. Whether that's, um, I mean, I, uh, I drive a van for a living. Um, I'm a DHL kind of career driver. Um, so music's on all, all day under van. Yeah. Um yeah. but I've I very try you know, I, I try so hard to kind of listen to an album, I'll start it at track one mm-hmm. and just and just kind of work my way. I you know, when I start kind of picking and choosing on, you know, iTunes or the albums I got on my phone, I, I, I sort of give myself a little kind of you know, slap on the wrist and go, No, 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 no. You need to listen start on track one. Yeah. Cause it's it's it, it, it's something I w- I wanted to talk to you about. I mean, does like the um, do you obsess over the kind of you know the sequencing of like you know track orders and things like? Is an album still like an important thing to you?
0: I, to me, to me personally, yes.
1: Yeah,
0: yeah. I don't like the new, you know, single every month sort of yeah. constant cycle of promotion because the, when I think of Music that I love, that I that I hold like in you know in in me, yeah. it's it's a story of the artist, and then what you get through an album, and then the individual songs that are individual you know like chapters, I guess. And with with Bjork, the reason that I asked you that is because I think that each of her albums is really its own experience. Yeah, I personally really like Volnakura. Um, I don't know if it's. I don't think it's her, her, one of her more well-known, I mean, you know, Bjork is just kind of well-known period, but of her albums, it's not one that is maybe a go-to for everyone, but it's quite beautiful. And there is a strings version because she, yeah. So you, um, not every single song on Vilna Kira, the um, full production album, uh, full production version, but a, most of them, I want to say seven or eight out of, you know, like 11 or 12 or something like that. Are just just for strings on that um, in that version. And it's quite beautiful, because um, you really kind of if you go in first hearing the string version and then going into the studio album, I think you get a much different feeling for where she was, um, because it was, I think, her dealing with a a breakup at the time and kind of processing all of these things from start to finish of the album. Um, I mean, it's it's quite incredible. Stone Milker is a great place to start because that's just sort of, like, pure throbbing agony. Um, yeah. <laughs> love that track. <laughs> and at some point later on, there's a Lion Song, which is much more, you know, kind of an exploration of the more positive parts of something that fell apart, as well as a declaration of, like, you know, self, after coming out of something where maybe you'd lost yourself somewhat. Um, so it's, it's, it's beautiful and you can listen to it multiple ways because there are the two versions. So I really like that album. Um, wow. But yeah.
1: Incredible. Talking about albums. Can we talk about, could we talk about dream house for a little bit? Sure. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Fantastic. Um, I absolutely adore this, this album. Um, like, um, Shout out, Joel Clayton, uh, for a facilitating this interview right now, um, but also turning me on to your music last year. Um, uh, I'm, I mean, I understand it was quite—it was kind of recorded in like isolated wilderness, Is that yeah.
0: right?
1: <laughs> like a cabin, cabin in the woods kind of style.
0: Yeah, yeah a, a lot of it was um, recorded. At, after you know kind of after covid so there was or not after covid because there's no such thing but
1: yeah 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 true (laughs)
0: after the sort of isolation um and also during so we recorded some of it prior to that at my producer's home studio which was then in in queens new york and uh is now upstate and in upstate new york i should say sorry and at other times we recorded at different um places that we like airbnbs that we just rented to have a space that was not noisy to record in basically because recording in the city in an apartment is almost you know there it poses some challenges for what you know if you're trying to record a a very like delicate sort of acoustic guitar thing or or a quiet voice because I sing pretty quietly in a lot of the a lot of the album and it, it really kind of morphed as we went because we couldn't record together for a, a, a big chunk of, you know, 2020, obviously. Um, and I started getting more into the production side of things, which I'm really glad about um, because it's given, it gave me a lot more control over the contours of what we were creating um, and and being an equal with Sam a little bit more. Sam from Sam in the Sea, who uh, is, is my producer and uh, Close person in my life, and uh yeah, I don't know. I'm sorry, I'm, I'm rambling a little bit now because it's easy. No, to- no, no, no.
1: This is this is <laughs> great. This is great. <laughs>
0: um, yeah, recording it was was a, an experience for sure, and I, I think a lot of artists felt that way during
1: 2020. Yeah, I mean, I, I was gonna. say I mean, what was it like being a musician in you know for, from like the end of March? Well, it was the end of March in this country um, where everything went. Yeah. down um I actually I actually, <laughs> I, I actually DJed uh, I was DJing in a club like the night before it all happened
0: that's wild
1: that was mad it was like it, it was almost like you could tell everyone was out for one last mad night out yeah because I've never seen that club that busy before it was crazy it was absolutely crazy um but like I mean what was it like um You know, did you kind of take advantage of like doing, you know, online shows or things like that?
0: I did a bit. I think earlier on, maybe in the the spring slash early summer of 2020, there was more of a push for that sort of thing when we were all trying to really keep morale up and, and feel like we were still connected. Yeah. I did, let's see, what did I do? I I did a release sort of show for a, uh, for a single fear. And then I did from Iceland actually in uh, 2021, a release sort of show as well um, for, for the album, but that was in Iceland. So I, I did kind of a crazy thing where I was living in New York and teaching piano in 2020. And then everything, you know, shut down and so I left the city because of rent and not having a job and stuff, you know, how ha- how ha- yeah. and decided to move to Iceland to get a master's degree while I was waiting for, you know, shows as well as employment. Um hmm. so that was kind of a weird time to release an album, I guess. I was sort of adrift in the Atlantic, um you know, on the elliptical next to Bjork and <laughs> Not yeah. near. <laughs> <laughs> it's cool it's cold. A lot of geese
1: yeah, yeah. 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 <laughs> I mean I mean the there were there were two there were two kind of particular albums that I was kind of immediately reminded of when I started listening um, to dreamhouse um, um one was obviously um. Um, a Port's Head dummy. I got massive Port vibes from it. Um, but a, a big one for me, um, I'm a, I don't know if you, if you're a fan, or if you're aware of the album, either, but I got massive kind of vibes of um, Spirit of Eden by Talk Talk.
0: I've I've listened. I I don't know if I if I'm really closely familiar with that album, but I will listen. Mm.
1: to Yeah, it's um.
0: I've that kind of, or though. Say again. I've been told Talk Talk before.
1: Uh, okay, yeah. I mean, especially kind of late late era Talk Talk. Like they're kind of like first three or four rounds very much kind of like synth. um yeah. You know, dark, very kind of sort of dark pop synth. But then yeah. the final two albums, Spirit of Eden, especially, it's well, it's one of the greatest albums I've ever made, as far well, as I'm concerned. It's it's almost kind of. I don't know, almost like dreamlike, like atmospheric. I don't know, like ambient post rock. Yeah, but never gets above a whisper. Yeah, you know. Um, I think you'd love it.
0: I will. I'll. I'll, I'll give it a spin. I'm. I'm going to be in the car yeah. for 45 minutes after this. So
1: perfect. Perfect. <laughs> it's about. It's about a forty five minute long album. So, result. Have you had much chance to kind of tour this album? Have you because I, I, I like, um, are there any kind of future plans? Basically, what I'm saying is, are you going to come to the UK so I can come see you live, please?
0: <laughs> well, the next time I do, I will be certain to let you know. Um, we were there in December 2021 for a very a, a brief tour: um, Cambridge, London, and Margate, and that was quite fun um i'm not sure when we're going to be back it was definitely easier to get over there from iceland than from new york True. but um the trapped animal who i who releases my music um is, is over in cambridge so there's it's always come back to the uk
1: <laughs> wonderful because uh, yeah i'll be there i'll be there front and center because uh yeah seriously people i gonna mean, i'll put a, i'll put a link to um like Spotify and and Trapped Animal links and blah blah blah, and the show notes down because you know I implore everyone out there to listen to listen to this album. I want more people to hear it. I don't want it. I don't want this to be my as, as selfish as I want to be and say, yeah, this is my secret little thing and no one else is allowed to listen to this. This needs to be heard because I think this is an absolute work of beauty. I adore it.
0: That means a lot. It's it's. Mm. You know, I, I, I think that the releasing music, when there's such saturation, you know, after everyone's kind of been in their little recording hole for all of 2020 and most of 2021, not touring and everything, yeah. there's been so much music that I, I can't even keep up with the artists that I like and what they're releasing. So I understand, yeah. you know, I don't know how hard it is to get into new things that, is, that, you, that you, you know, don't have some familiar yeah. with when... But yeah,
1: no, I know. I know. You you kind of bombarded with, especially you know, when you go on iTunes or Spotify, YouTube, whatever, however you get your music, you kind of bombarded with. You put something on, and then all of a sudden you're like, oh, if you like this, listen to this. Try this. You must try this. Recommended artists and all this. It's like I don't know. I kind of wish, you know, I long for a simpler time when people, I don't know, would make you a mixtape yeah I know. I know I just sound like an old man shouting at clouds, but
0: oh, no. I think there's
1: something to that, you know.
0: I think so too, because I, I I think that you're removing the human element of connection when it's AI. And then you know i I've heard some great things from Spotify's suggestions, but I don't have a, a reason to remember why I heard the song it's just kind of in a, you know, in a vacuum without a context. And yeah. other songs that I, I heard, you know, and like 10 years ago when, when friends would beat, would turn me on to something, you know, of like, oh, well, we're, we're in in the dorm room, like, you know, having a glass of wine. And I'm going to put this song on to try to impress you because it's one of the five cool songs that I know so far in life, you yeah. know,
1: <laughs>
0: yeah. that, that matters yeah. later.
1: Yeah. I was, I was, I was going to say exactly the same thing. it's like when. When, when, when good friends of mine who know my music taste and what I'm into, if they recommend me something, oh, you know, Gazza like this, Gazza love this, like, you know, where people send you YouTube links or whatever. Um, th- that's kind of stuff I'll tend to remember a lot more than, yeah, AI telling me that, oh, you like The National, for example, you know, you might like this. Yeah. which is a heck of a segue into <laughs> should we talk about your next
0: choice absolutely uh, number four cardinal song from sad songs for dirty lovers by the national one of my favorite bands
1: that's one of my all-time favorite album titles as well
0: yeah, right it's uh, it's ballsy
1: yeah
0: i i don't know i i can i can't get away from the lyrics that Matt, or singer, comes up with, um, Cardinal Song, taps into sort of something that I don't know I've felt before, and I, I think it's kind of a very personal song to me of just the feeling of not letting yourself have what you want, but also kind of feeling like a shit person for wanting too much from life and from I don't know individuals. And he he just he captures these sort of like little thoughts at the back of your head that you don't really say out loud and puts them to a melody that you can't forget. And then you can just like repeat it and repeat it and repeat it. Um, yeah. Cardinal songs. Great. It's, I think that it's their second album. And I think that it's underrated because of how critically acclaimed later things became. True.
1: But yeah. They, they did kind of become kind of yeah, media darlings not long after this, but you know, th- those early albums, there's something so kind of pure,
0: yeah
1: really really pure um i I was finding quite a joy because when i'd you know i'd love to say i was you know i was into the national when they were handing out you know demo tapes that's not their first gig but i wasn't i didn't get into them until many many years you know after that and uh that that's kind of you know whilst I've spent the last 10 minutes kind of slagging off Spotify and stuff. Like, <laughs> that's, that's kind of cool, right? Because when you get, when you, when you hear like a band, say like the national, you're like, Oh my God, this, this is fucking incredible. This guy's speaking these thoughts I've got in here. He's yeah. kind of, you know, putting them out front and center in this beautiful, succinct way. And that's when it's cool to go on your phone and you can go on Spotify and you can immediately like, you've got immediate access to their whole back catalogue. That's yeah. cool. That is really cool, because, like, w- w- you know, when you're kind of a t- you know a teenager or whatever, especially when I was a teenager, you, you know, disposable income was kind of minimal, and and uh, unless you unless you had like you had like a rich friend who had like you know all the albums in the world, you know, you you'd have your money to to maybe you had you were saving up and you had enough money to like buy. By one album
0: mm-hmm.
1: and like for example with uh, i don't know when i was a kid i got into say acdc mm-hmm. and you know vast back catalog and you go into the shop and you've got money to buy one AC/DC album it's like well, which one do i buy i don't know.
0: Whichever, which one, you know whichever one you do though is your understanding of the band
1: yeah they- no that's yeah, true. very true very true. Yeah, very true. Um but I think that's you know, that's kind of a, it, I mean it, well, I mean I know there's kind of two sides to the argument. Like I mean it, it's awesome. You do you have all this instant access to a like, lot all this music. Mm-hmm. But there are people like, I've I've got I've got a thirteen year old son mm-hmm. and he will, he will always known music to be this free thing. Yeah. Like a McDonald's just <laughs> forget it. You know, you, you eat it, you, you have a hankering for it, you eat it, and then five minutes later you've forgotten it.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: On to the next thing. And it, music was never and will never be a disposable thing to me. It's, music is, you know, my like, – even when I was a kid, you know, I was, like, deconstructing songs in the back of the car on long car journeys, you know, before I even knew what that meant, yeah, you know, I, I was I'd, I'd be listening to a song and it would be like, I don't know, I'd I'd just I'd cut everything out and just listen to the bassline,
0: yeah,
1: or I'd listen to the drums and things like this, and I'd i should try and work out how songs were constructed and stuff. I and mean, you know, I was like I was like five years old, man. I was a weird kid, <laughs> um, but m- music for me is like kind of it's all, it is all encompassing. And you know, n- not a day goes by without me listening to kind of music because I get, I get so much out of it. And I, I respect the artists so much of like just everything they put into their art. And I, 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 heard something quite interesting earlier. There's a guy I follow on YouTube. He's great. Um, a guy called Justin Hawkins. And, he was talking about like like back in the day, the tours would basically um, promote the album. Now, albums are used as to promote the tours.
0: Exactly. Yeah, that's really tr- it's almost like you know, there's not enough ways for artists to make money and actually be able to support themselves as musicians or something crazy like that. Uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Right. <laughs> Hardly ever at all.
1: <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> um but, but I I, mean, I well I, I don't know it as a fact, but i, I can I can pretty much say it's the right thing. Like back in the day, like album sales would find would would subsidize tours. Exactly. You know, yeah. that's why like now I mean there's that I can't remember what it's called now. There's like there's like a festival in the desert, I think like, in California that's Brilliant. been announced late this year. It's called, called Power Trip. Power Trip? Yeah. And it's like, I mean, the, you know, the lineup, I mean, it's all, it's just, you know, the rock dinosaurs, you know, it's ACDC, Iron Maiden, Guns N' Roses, um, Ozzy, Oz, Ozzy Osbourne. I thought he retired again last year, but whatever, right? Um, and like, Someone posted, like, the, um, you know, the ticket prices. And it's like, It's like thousands of dollars. And on top of that, there was one piece, it it said like the price, you know, because it's all tiered pricing and stuff, this dynamic ticket pricing now and stuff. Mm. Um, But there was a thing on there called a convenience fee. Mm. Can you shed any light of what the fuck (laughs) is a convenience fee? Does that mean you've got to pay if you need to go to the toilet? You know, know, because at your convenience, I I don't know. It kind of confuses me. But the convenience fee was like $50.
0: There, there's always an additional fee. I, I think that, I, I don't know. I mean, there, there, was that that recent thing with uh, Ticketmaster, and I don't, I don't remember who was it. Do you, do you remember reading about this? Um, which artist? Oh, was that
1: re- Was that recently? I think it was Robert Smith and The Cure, wasn't it?
0: Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, where it just kind of shed some light on the disparity of experiences between you know going to a concert thirty years ago versus going to a concert now. Um, and the, the culture around it, I feel like because it's so much sort of streaming first, no money for musicians from, from, you know, the release of their music touring as the necessary sustenance of a band, like, I don't know, I think it's, it's changed how we consume music because I think that it was, it, it, it used to be more about the, the social connection of we all like this artist, we're all going to the show, you know, an hour away, we're all driving there for this one experience to get to really hear everything we wanna hear and and be together. And I I don't know, the prohibitive prices now, it's, it's, it's not like that, it's an experience to say that you've gone to and not an experience that necessarily brings people together in the same way. Kids can't afford to yeah. go. You can't, you know what I mean? You can't go and then like discover a new band in the same way. If you want to go see the artists that are on the radio. Yeah. I
1: don't
0: know. It's,
1: it's, it's Music should be for all. It shouldn't be for this like privileged little club.
0: Yeah. Of
1: people like, like kind of perfect example of that is like when I used to go to like uh, alternative festivals, uh, the Reading Festival, um, like back in the nineties and the early noughties, um You know, and I, I, you know, be bands like you know Beastie Boys, Prodigy, um yeah, you know, Metallica, all this kind of stuff. You know, it was great, it was amazing. I'm so glad I went to festivals because I sure as hell can't afford them now. But the thing was, I remember going to festivals like when I was a teenager, and and people would say to me, "Oh, you, oh, oh, you going to a festival? Oh, you do little grunger, Oh, you know?" And yeah. and you know, like it was it was the weird people and the freaks that used to go to festivals. Now it's the beautiful people with their 10 million Instagram followers. And and they go, the only reason they're going, they're not going because, you know, they've always wanted to see, I don't know, the original misfits line up or something, or at the driving reunion gig or something. They're going for the, for the click, you know, click on the camera and the experience. And it's not, it, they're not going to kind of have that shed moment of being in that field with 50,000 people losing their fucking minds.
0: Right. Exactly. It's, it's, uh, it's a different way of experiencing life through a very, you know, a, a, a nine by 16 sort of, you know, 15 seconds. Ago. I, I don't, I, I don't know what it's like for, for kids that have never known another way to, experience media but it it is hard to get my head around i don't know that being a culture at concerts not to say that it's true though for every concert i mean you know i go to smaller shows or i have gone to smaller shows not as recently because i don't i don't live in 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 close proximity to those things anymore currently but i don't know friends shows friends of friends or like that kind of one step up from the people that you know, do you know what i mean shows yeah. Yeah. retain yeah. that sort of community but it's it's not as as it's not the predominant sort of concert culture anymore and that's that's a shame because something yeah, has been f- taken away from the experience of discovering music i feel like and the wonder that comes along with it that got people like you and me into music to begin with is like that sort yeah. of Oh, this matters. This is a part of life that feels like vital and new, and like you know, like it can go to something else.
1: <laughs> Seriously, I, I I I could talk about this for for hours and hours and hours. I really could because you know it's 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 something it's something I feel incredibly kind of passionate about, and it it always makes me sad when like obviously you know venues are closing left, right, and center. And the what and the only venues, the, the few venues that are left. Um, I mean, Cambridge is a perfect example for that. You know, the few venues that are left. Like when I, when I was playing in a band with Joel, like twenty odd years ago, there was about twelve places to play in Cambridge. Twelve dive bars, shit, little venues that were ace, that were brilliant to Play, so much fun. And you know, the few that are left now, all they book really are tribute acts. And I get it. It's it's a, it's a purely business decision because who it like um like the portland arms for example you know they regularly booked there's this daft punk tribute band
0: yeah
1: which which i've you know um (laughs) and and kind of bizarre just guys in the crash helmet pressing play i i I don't know but yeah cool i love daft punk but i'm not sure if i want to go see a tribute of daft punk but but i i can understand why they would book that Mm -hmm. because Who would go and see that? It'd be people in the late 30s, early 40s with disposable money. They're all going to put their 50 quid over the bar.
0: Right.
1: And and I get it, you know, and it's, but I, you know, I, I genuinely hope that there are still kids out there who are going to be picking up the guitar, playing the drums, getting in a room with their mates and bashing out a really bad version of, you know, lithium or yeah. something like that Do you know what i mean or you know doing a really god-awful cover of killing in the name of i don't care i don't care if it's bad just as long as you're playing man
0: just it's play Every step to being good you know and if there's not room for that then we don't get to the next sort of what could this person offer when they have the skills to offer something that so we actually want here <laughs> yeah
1: exactly right let's bring it home let's talk about okay. your final
0: track last track uh, 23 by blonde redhead from their album 23, um, which I think is a strong move. You're telling us what to listen to. It's in the name going for it. It's the first track. Can't miss it. It's a great track. Uh, um, huh?
1: yes. Yeah, um, I mean, you sent, you sent through you kind of list and, uh, I, I was going, I was going da- down the list and I, I'd never heard. Blonde Redhead before, but I listened to it three times on the bounce. Oh
0: yeah!
1: Completely contradicting myself earlier that no, Gaz, you listen to albums start to finish. You say, well, I didn't with this one. I did di, this. I think I found my new favorite band. Well,
0: it's Blonde Redhead. Is it's it, they they make beautiful stuff, um, beautiful mm-hmm. music. Um, this song in particular. I feel like it's such a nice combination of their, their skills. You know, the production is so intricate and layered, but also clean. Like there's big, nice carved out spaces. So you can really get every individual element. And then the vocals are sp- spare, but very, I don't know, captivating. You know, you, you really, you hold to that line, even though she's singing one, you know, one word for like 20 seconds. um, and, and I don't know, I, I think that they, they do great things with time, too They'll have pretty short songs that feel expansive and, and 23 is one of those to me, that it feels like a little biome Like a little world, even though it's, you know, three minutes and change
1: mm. it, gi- it gives me, like, one, one of my all-time favourite bands Is um, is a band called My Bloody Valentine.
0: Oh, well, yeah.
1: It, yeah. there's there's massive kind of shoegaze vibes in this song. When, when like those kind of, sort of woo, woozy whooshes on the guitar and stuff, and I'm like, yeah, this is it's like something Kevin Shields could have come yeah. up with, like you know, thirty odd years ago. Um, but yeah, it's it it it's blown me away, um, and I can't wait to investigate. <laughs> investigate the foot. I mean, I literally know nothing about them. So, you know, sell them to me. Where, where are they from?
0: Absolutely. I think that I'm not sure where they're based these days. I think that the uh, founding members are from all over the place. I know that a few of them are from Montreal. Uh, and I, I, they may have been based in England for a while, but I'm, I'm, I really don't know. I, I think that they're individually, you know, kind of musicians that have their own projects, but kind of come together, and it's one of those things of these forces together create something really, really special. While they're also special in the other work that they do, they have I mean, they have music of, that I that I don't like in terms of their albums. It's just from from like a from a self-recorded musician sort of standpoint. When I look to music that I think of as This is teaching me what I want to do. I listen to Blonde Redhead because their production and their their balance. So not not only I don't know their mixing and and their mixes and all of that, which are quite inventive sometimes, but also their arrangements and the risks and like the the jumps that they're willing to take. It reminds me quite a bit of Portishead, Massive Attack, that sort of thing, which I really like. And those are all influences in my music, but. Blonde Redhead was something that I, I discovered more relatively more recently, like in the past few years. Um, Sam, my producer, actually turned me on to them. And twenty-three, that that one song I must have listened to when I heard it the first time, kind of just like pressed the repeat button, didn't listen to something else for I don't know, a few days, a few weeks. Like <laughs> it was but <laughs> one of those that gets in your brain and like stays with you until you've it Consumed it enough that it's just in your head. So for now,
1: I think that's an absolutely beautiful way to finish. Sid Dicer, thank you so much.
0: thanks so much for having me. This has been really a really fun chat. I always love talking about music, and uh, I, I've really appreciated the opportunity to do that. And
1: there we go. Joseph for picking some amazing tunes. Uh, all f- first-time picks yet again, and uh, bring in the Ace Conversation, nice one. And uh, yeah, as I said before, I implore you all to check out her album Dreamhouse, it was released in 2021 by the best indie label in the land, Trapped Animal Records, shout out Joel Clayton for uh, releasing some always incredible music and uh, for facilitating this chat, dude, uh, you're an absolute fucking legend and I love you, but you know, that's what I'm it? you know that. Uh, So, next episode is episode 50. Woo! And it's my turn, people. Uh, I've got Stephen Hill from True Cult Pop to grill me about my top five album opening tracks from the greatest of eras. And it will come to no fucking surprise to anyone that knows me. We're talking about all things Brit Rock from the late 90s to the early noughties. So, uh yeah, lots of shit. we got feeder, terrorvision, all that good shit. So, um, yeah, it's going to be an absolute cracker. So, as ever, thanks so much for coming all the way up to episode 49 with me, sharing, reviewing, rating, listening. What a journey it's been to get here. And, uh, yeah, so I'm out of here. Stay lucky, stay safe. And, as ever, fuck the Tories and fuck Rishi Sunak. I'm out of here. Peace. Top five
0: side ones. Track, track one, track one
1: you've been listening to the track one side one podcast with me your host gaz jones give us a follow on instagram and twitter by searching for track one side one podcast to keep fully up to date with all future guests and there will also be spotify playlists linked to each episode so please check all that out and i'll see you soon Play this.